thanks for joining us for episode two. If you're here for the first time, welcome. If this is your second go around, it means that we didn't completely scare you away the first time and uh, you're giving us another chance. So thank you very much. Once again, we're joined by Stephen Laskowski, Jeff Wood, John Blackham, Lack Schoen, and myself, Marco Baghetto, with the CTA. So, okay, we are, uh, what, six, eight weeks in since COVID was declared to be an international crisis? I don't, I don't even know. It's all a blur. Steve, do you know what it is? <laughs> it, it's, it feels like it's longer than six weeks, Marco, but yeah, it's probably about six weeks. Yeah. Judging by the look on your face, it looks like uh, <laughs> you, can yeah. use, you can use some rest after when this is all when this is all said and done. Okay, so we are going to dive right in. I'm going to tell you who's not resting so comfortably, and it's some of the guys who do trucking for a living. Um, now that the initial shock and awe of COVID is dissipating, and we're left to decipher the ramifications, socially and economically, clearly the trucking industry has stepped up to the plate from the beginning, despite the risk to drivers and to carriers. uh, They did what they were called on to do and deliver essential goods and supplies to Canadians. The industry didn't stop so Canadians could stay home and stay safe, uh, but that did come at a cost. This week, CTA released a business condition survey with uh, nearly 100 carriers to examine how they're coping with the COVID crisis and how they've been impacted operationally and financially. Johnny, can you tell us uh, about that survey? Sure, Marco. So as you mentioned, CTA conducted a a business conditions survey uh, from the membership. There was uh, all said and done just a a little over 100 carriers that participated collectively. They employ 60,000 Canadians, so uh, quite a big number uh, that this group represented. You know, but it wasn't all all smiles and sunshine, as as many folks can can imagine. I mean, I, I think when this first started, and and you know, the recognition was coming out that carriers are an, are an essential service, and drivers are are an essential workers. Um, there was a bit of a perception out there that that the trucking industry was was busier than ever, um, and and really, I think we all know that's just that's just not true. Since then, uh, you know, I think I think folks have started to realize this, both in you know the general public and in in government. Certainly, our business survey uh, reflects that. So, you know, some of some of the key takeaways from the survey itself um, within it, carriers had on average a 27 percent decrease in revenue. It's important to note, though, that this is an average of of everybody. You know, in some cases, there were people that were uh, experienced a, a much higher revenue decrease than than that, but but on average we're talking in and around that that thirty percent. You know, a, another thing it, it demonstrated clearly was uh, you know this explosion in empty miles, uh, and if you've read CTA's press releases over the last little bit, you will have, have seen this. But we're you know in this we're talking uh, over a two hundred percent increase over over sort of normal conditions when it comes to empty miles. You know, and and at the end of the day, you know, a lot of a lot of the issues in our industry are are like others, but it it centers around cash flow. I mean, businesses need cash on hand to to pay the bills and to keep things going. Um, And uh, another major takeaway we we saw from this is just, uh, you know, the the increase in customers looking for deferrals when it comes to payments to their their carriers. So in the survey itself, uh, 63% of fleets indicated they had customers asking for 
some sort of payment deferral or, or simply not paying at all. Um, and many expected this to intensify as, as you know, the whole of the economy takes stock of, of the sort of financial position they're in. So, um, you know, uh, maybe not surprising results for, for those in the industry, but uh, I think it definitely paints the clear picture where, you know, we're not immune from the effects of this. Yeah, I think for the first time for as long as I can remember, I think the media is paying attention. I couldn't tell you back in the day how many sort of business conditions stories I tried to pitch to the media and now they're all calling, you know, they're asking what are empty miles? They're trying to understand the the impacts uh, operationally to our industry, impacts that have always been there. They're just, they're just uh, heightened now because of the COVID crisis. But, you know, I think reporters and the media, they're watching the bouncing ball and they're trying to see where it leads. So, you know, Johnny, is this, is this sustainable for, 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 the, for the long term? Well, it's, it's not. And I mean, we, we've started to do some economic modeling on this and it's, it's just, it's not. I, I mean, we know right now through this pandemic, it's, it's the trucking industry that's carrying all the essential goods that, that Canadians and, and operational businesses are, are relying on. But, you know, as we started to talk about a little bit in our last our last podcast as well. I mean, these are the same people that are going to need to be there for for this economic recovery. You know, that's that's starting to be sort of the the buzzword in, in political circles. Okay, you know, what happens when we restart the economy? Well, the first thing that's going to need to happen is the trucks are going to need to be there to to carry all the you know the retail stores gearing back up and the restaurants resupplying and the manufacturing getting the inputs they need. So, you know, when you look at the business. Con- condition survey and you see a number like 37% of fleets um, have serious concerns about their, their, you know, their financial health or their financial survival over the next three months. You know, I really think that should be a red flag for, for folks to say, hey, look, you know, maybe, maybe we do need to take a really close look at the trucking industry and make sure they are there and are healthy for when, you know, things start to normalize again. You know, and building off of, uh, John's comments about the 37%, you know, uh, in a lot of sectors, that, that number is going to be a lot higher. And uh, as John mentioned, uh, the government of Canada is listening to CTA. Uh, they've been dealing and, and talking with us over the last six weeks on a very regular basis. And uh, they are aware of, of the issues facing our sector and the need for assistance. And Quite frankly, what what we need is uh, is cash injection into into our industry, and uh, our proposal to the federal government is uh, a payroll tax deferral, which would allow carriers to hold on to uh, payroll payroll taxes for over the next three months uh, with a deferral payment between twelve and eighteen months. Uh, as John mentioned, the economic modeling. Uh, we're doing is it shows a significant impact, positive impact of such a policy. And uh, as we manage COVID-19 and, and the economy relies on trucking, uh, this is the kind of measure we're going to need to move forward. Not only move forward, but to come out of, of COVID-19. And uh, it's a low cost measure and uh, we'll continue to talk to Ottawa with regards to this. And uh, the other issue that uh, obviously it's not just about companies, it's also about their drivers. Drivers have experienced uh, rising costs associated with operating during COVID-19 
And again, uh, we are having regular discussions with Ottawa with regards to uh, the need to uh, increase meal allowance for both long haul and short haul drivers. So uh, we will continue to uh, engage Ottawa on these on these issues. And uh, the Prime Minister has mentioned that uh, more relief measures are will come, and uh, we will do our best to ensure that the trucking industry is included in those measures. Steve, give us a peek behind the curtain. How, how optimistic are you? Well, you know, I think that... Uh, Look, uh, these are. I've been in this business for 25 years. Uh, I've never seen an economic crisis like this, not just in our industry, but the whole economy. Uh, Ottawa's listening. Uh, we've done our best as an association to not just ask for relief, to quantify that relief, give specifics about that release, uh, relief, pardon me. And I don't think all sectors have done that. So, uh, that should put us in, in near, near the front of the line in terms of consideration. Uh, whether we receive our ask is another matter, but uh, I could say this, that all the associations, members, and the Government of Canada are, are involved in this and in listening, and uh, let's see what happens. Lack, I want to ask you because, I mean, you and I are still taking calls from drivers. Yeah. There's still a lot of confusion out there. I mean, the protocols are in place. There's still a lot of confusion about what to do um, if a frontline enforcement officer asks you a certain question. What's going on? What are you What are you hearing? Well, as compared to the first couple of weeks when the uh, the crisis really started uh, to, to come into effect, there was a lot of confusion that was going on, uh, both in the form of, of officers not fully understanding the rapidly changing policies that were being uh, implemented, but also some uh, confusion on behalf of, of drivers and carriers in terms of what the requirements and policies actually meant uh, meant for them. So both CBP and CBSA have done uh, a very good job in recent weeks in, in, in getting the message out to officers in terms of uh, what the policies are in regards to uh, quarantine protocols for drivers and uh, who is supposed to go into, into quarantine and and, and others who are not uh, supposed to go into quarantine uh, and issues such as that. Again, greatly uh, clarified and, and, and many issues have been coming up uh, over the last couple of weeks. Has the trepidation moved towards the interaction between the parties? Is that where, where we're at right now? Yeah, I think uh, lately over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, obviously there's some, uh, as you mentioned, trepidation on behalf of, of drivers and obviously the border officers who are who are processing drivers uh, moving across the border as well. So uh, that's going to be sort of a, a natural situation uh, with the with the spread of the virus as as it is occurring. Uh, there are drivers that are going into the hotspot locations uh, in the U.S., whether that uh, is uh, New York or New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, other states in the U.S. that have uh, significant uh, issues with COVID nineteen. So. We're, we're working with, with government uh, carriers, uh, getting feedback from drivers in, in terms of how we can limit or, or make the interactions at the border as safe as possible for, for all parties involved. And, and we've started that process uh, in working with both CBSA and CBP and getting out uh, what we're calling, for lack of a better term, a, a best practices or, or a tips type, type of document to really outline what uh, what government is doing to ensure that uh, these interactions at, at the pill booth are, are as, as safe as possible for, for all parties involved. And 
now we understand there's you know there's a lack of, of PPE that's that's currently available things like gloves masks and sanitizers uh, getting some of these supplies is a, is a challenge for everyone uh, government is working to get a supply of, of these types of uh, uh, of products uh, at their at their ports of entry so they can give them to drivers if, if drivers don't have them uh, they're also reaching out to industry and saying you know what's your supply and demand looking like right now how can we help you in, in procuring some of these uh, some of these products if you need them so uh, we're in ongoing discussion with uh, with government on getting these types of supplies and, and ensuring again that the interaction between drivers and uh, and border officers is as, as safe and sanitary as, as possible. Like we have a lot of documentation on our COVID page at cantruck.ca and uh, I welcome anybody to, to visit that, check out the resources. Quickly, can you run down three or four best practices? Yeah, so we've been getting some feedback from carriers over the, over the last uh, couple of weeks in terms of what they've been doing to, to sort of ensure uh, sanitary practices within their operations and and for their for their cross border drivers, I mean, I don't believe it's anything that's gonna uh, you know come off being uh, earth shattering uh, by any means. But just sanitizing the cab, uh, all parts of the cab, and ensuring proper handling procedures in terms of eating your lunch uh, in your cab, not interacting uh, with other people if possible, disposing of your garbage uh, where possible, not keeping items like garbage and other uh, unnecessary items. My favorite is drivers should not place identification in their mouth. Yeah, so this was a, a suggestion that came from a couple of carriers. So I guess uh, it's probably forced a habit by by a couple of the a couple of the drivers. As if drivers are coming up to to the pill, it's just uh, again force of habit. They're pasting their identification in their mouths and then they're handing it over to to the border so officers. So that's a real thing. Enough for CBSA to say stop licking your ID and handing it over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not something we'd recommend either. But yeah, I mean, carriers, they're implementing, uh, you know, the use of gloves, hand sanitizers, uh, where these uh, supplies are available. I know uh, a lot of companies are sending out regular email updates in terms of some of the changes they're seeing that might impact uh, cross-border drivers. Those are the things that uh, that have come back to us in terms of some of the, the recommendations and best practices and tips that that carriers are, are using right now. Now that I'm thinking of it, uh, one more thing I should mention is that uh, the use of TAP uh, for those who are, who are paying uh, to cross at the border is another thing that has been recommended by, by bridges and, and bridge operators. So if, that, uh, uh, if drivers can use, use TAP, uh, that is uh, definitely a preference. And there are some uh, bridges already that are, that are going cashless for a number of different reasons, including uh, hygienic uh, reasons and, and limiting the uh, exchange of cash between uh, both officers and, and toll attendants and, and and drivers as well. Okay, so, I mean, we'll probably have more information on this in the coming weeks, but quickly, what are you hearing for what's next in terms of, um, is there any information at all about border restrictions being lifted or relaxed, extensions, What what are you hearing? So I guess right now we're hearing what uh, what everyone else has heard that you know the the Trudeau government has uh, again extended the the current border restrictions in, in in partnership with the with the U.S. government for another 30 days, which was announced last week. So uh, the current uh, restrictions uh, restricting travel to only uh, essential travel will be in place until at least uh, May the 20th. I know the 
the U.S. government, from what I've been keeping up with uh, over the last you know couple of weeks, has been saying they want to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of potentially lifting some of the restrictions, whether it be uh, at the border, at the uh, the state level, and in some of the different uh, states, depending on on their situation. But the, the government of Canada has been pretty uh, resolute in saying that they won't be rushed or, or pressured into to any decision making, which I guess is reflected in. Uh, extending the uh, the current border restrictions for uh, another another 30 days. So uh, the government can again is taking all precautions with essential workers who are traveling across the border. We saw that last week uh, in regards to the announcement on on face masks and uh, having uh, uh, all uh, essential workers wear non medical face masks when they're when they're crossing uh, the border. We also heard actually. A rumor about uh, the potential for uh, the wearing of gloves right. maybe being introduced at some point uh, on Monday uh, of next week. So we did check with the, with a couple of contacts on that issue. They said uh, we haven't heard uh, anything about that. Uh, with that being said, if, uh, if we start getting calls on Monday about uh, the mandatory use of gloves being implemented at the border, we're probably going to edit this section out of the podcast anyway. So... <laughs> There's no, there's no shortage of surprises there, when it there, comes to the border. There's can, no shortage of surprises for sure. And and, and on that uh, on that note, we've been in contact with with all the uh, different agencies involved with the border, whether it be CBSA, uh, Transport Canada. We had a good discussion with uh, the Public Health Agency of Canada as well, which basically said, you know, we're going to try to give uh, everyone a heads up in terms of any uh, changing or, or evolving policy, but. You know, there may be some times that uh, we might not be able to give you uh, the information in a, in a, in a timely manner. So uh, we understand that, again, it's a rapidly changing policy environment. Uh, we're going to do our best to work with our government and our contacts as closely as possible. And uh, again, if, if any new information uh, does evolve at the border, we're going to make sure to get that information out. Uh, yeah, as, as quickly and effectively as possible. Lack will be the first to know. In fact, I can tell you that we're we're all afraid to leave here until we check with Lack. It's like it's like six, seven o'clock in the evening. We all make sure Lack is safe to leave because we don't know if there's going to be some you know last minute declaration that we have to scramble for. Okay, I'm all coveted out. Anybody else <laughs> want to talk about something else for once? Let's go to Mr. Wood. <laughs> all right, Jeff. What's happening on uh, the operational front? So, Marco, I mean, we've our, our focus obviously for the last well, six to eight weeks, we're, we're, wherever we're at, is is um, has been on COVID. Um, however, that doesn't mean that sort of the policy development side of things stop. And we've obviously we had a we had a full list of items uh, prior to COVID, and we've had a full list of items during COVID, and we will continue to have one. Going forward, so one of the one of the big ticket items, obviously that, that everyone is aware of, is the ELD mandate in Canada. It was announced in June of 2019 by Minister Garneau, uh, with uh, and basically provided a, a two-year implementation time frame. Again, this isn't news to anybody, but I think the the key point for for our audience because of COVID, uh, these these types of policy development uh, do not stop. So. It's, uh, it's, it's a very simple process. Um, if you're completing a logbook today, uh, in future when, uh, when we move into ELDs, you will, you will complete or you will be using a, a third-party certified ELD. Very simple process. There's no structural changes to the hours of service or, or any of that. There's been a lot of sort of rumor that have been you know, going around about what's actually taking place, but it's very simple. Paper to electronic, 
uh, and we move forward in uh, in June of uh, 2021. It's got very nostalgic there. You brought me back to a time where uh, ELDs were actually top of mind. <laughs> well, well, it's it's interesting, and and I think the other important thing for for our audience to realize is this. You know, we, we issued or the rule was issued in 2019, but this process has been going on since, you know, 2012, 2013. And it's right. been extremely collaborative, not just on the industry side, but government uh, has been at the we've been at the table with government the whole time. The, the other important component in this is this is the ELD supplier community. Right. Tremendous support from them uh, going forward. Uh, and obviously they've they've been in on the ground floor and have played a, a lot of this stuff is happening behind the scenes. But and it's very technical uh, as, as it needs to be. You know they they've been extremely helpful and and again they've really developed the process in lockstep with Transport Canada and and I and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the provinces and territories played a huge role in, in shaping what you know we we now see in 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 the final rule that's it's a very practical approach to what we're doing mm-hmm. uh, and and one that we're we're confident and and we we know will be successful when when we move forward. Uh, impressive because I mean I think we we can speak for ourselves and what it feels like to be pulled in a million different directions and you know you're telling us that uh, government and um, and supplier stakeholders uh, are still on top of things we're still monitoring it and we're still progressing forward uh, behind the scenes even though obviously everybody's mind and attention is, is somewhere else yeah and and again it's 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 something I mean the process was set up so that it would evolve I think when when you, if you, if you really wanted to dig into the details of Gazette Two, uh, Transport Canada, it's a 24-month transition. But the way Transport Canada set it up is, it's 12 months to sort out the certification process. So we're we're into that process now. It, it's working. Things are happening. A, a lot of sort of the certification bodies and the accreditation processes are happening or available. Um, and then the the next phase is is a 12-month phase in from. You know, to to update the, the ELD technology, and, and I think I think one of the key things to, to remember is you've got all the key suppliers at the table who have been involved. They've they've helped design the test plan, so so they're they're in the loop about what's going on. The transition to sort of the Canadian ELD designed to our Canadian standards is right. really is really what we're calling I'll call it an over the air um, you know transition. So a lot of the the technology is is in the trucks already. It's a simple it's a simple software upgrade that takes it from you know, version one to our ELD standard. Right. I think that, I mean, that this is all evidenced by the fact that the infrastructure has been in place. It's been an efficient uh, system and it just shows how ahead of the game we are, even uh, ahead of the Americans. Can I say that? Sure, sure you can. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I, and I, I think what's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, Marco, because when, when, when you use that terminology and that that's code word for us is that we're, we're moving to a third party certified exactly. versus versus self-certification. Um, it's absolutely the right thing to do, and and it and it puts everybody at ease, and it's it's it basically simplifies the process. So it's got a it's got a couple it's got a couple uh, items to it. One, the enforcement community has a list of the certified devices; they know exactly what they're dealing with. And two, from a consumer protection standpoint, from from a carrier standpoint, knowing that they're getting a product that's certified and will be accepted, it's there. It's 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 in black and white. Uh, Transport Canada has now developed, uh, you know, basically a one-stop shop on their website where all of this information is provided. And and as we move forward in this process, what needs to be posted and what people need to know will be available. Um, I think the other the other critical thing, and we we talked about this again in a very technical world, is 
we look at ELDs as evergreen. So, so it's, it's something that you continuously need to stay on top of because it's technology. As technology develops, things change. So transport, uh, along with the Standards Council of Canada, who will be responsible for the certification process, develop what they're calling a certification stakeholder advisory committee. And that's basically, in, in layman's terms, that's a committee that will involve uh, ELD suppliers, government, and then other interested parties, uh, basically to monitor this, this going forward to make sure that what, what we're doing and as technology evolves, if, if the standards themselves need to, be, need to be adopted. And again, this is all behind the scenes. I mean, this, isn't, this is stuff that the ELD suppliers deal with, that the carrier sees the final product, they know it's compliant, but it's, a, it's an extremely important component and, and we're very happy uh, with how that process is rolled out and, and how it will go forward. Thanks, Jeff. I think in summary, Marco, if I had to summarize that, it's all systems go for June 2021. And what are you what are you feeling? What are you anticipating over the next uh, over the next few weeks? Well, you know, I, I think that it's not so much anticipating. I think that look, uh, everyone's aware of of the impact the economy has had on all business sectors, including including ours, and uh, no doubt there will be some voices coming out of COVID nineteen. Uh, asking for relief from all kinds of things but uh, our message is pretty simple there will when it comes to safety uh, ELD third-party ELDs is the way to go and we are proceeding accordingly absolutely well thank you very much that I think wraps up our second episode I would like to ask anybody listening if they are interested uh, if there's a topic or a question you have that you want us to address uh, on the podcast, we'd be more than happy to do that. You can email me any questions or comments at marco, M-A-R-C-O dot baghetto, B-E-G-H-E-T-T-O at cantruck.ca. And uh, we, will, we will try to address uh, those questions and comments uh, when we can. So once again, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.